So tonight, we're going to be in 1 John 2, 24 through 27. But I want to begin tonight in verse 25. Uh, because really, everything that John again is saying about the anointing and everything tonight really revolves around what John reminds us of in 1 John 2, 25 when he says, Now this is the promise the assurance of blessing that He Himself, Jesus Christ, while He was here on earth, made to us. And what was that promise? Eternal life. And again, let's remember that in the context of the New Testament and in the context of 1 John, eternal life is not a quantity of life. Every human being that is born is going to be eternal. It's not a question of living a quantity of time over somebody else. Everyone is going to live eternally. The question is, what is the quality of that life like? What is the destiny of that life like? And where are they going to, in a sense, live out that eternal life? So as as Jesus talks about eternal life, as the Bible talks about eternal life, it's always dealing with the quality of life. It's why Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You see, not every Christian experiences real eternal life. They they might be saved, they might have salvation, but it doesn't automatically mean that every Christian will experience eternal life or abundant life. Will they exist forever? Well, yeah. And will they even go to heaven forever? Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they will experience the highest quality of life, abundant life. By the way, the word abundant that that Jesus uses there in John 10.10 is a word that means supreme. It means beyond what is anticipated, beyond expectation. Jesus says, the life that I have come to give to my followers is even more than they anticipate. It is beyond their expectation. Why is that? Because abundant life is not so much what God does for us as much as it is what God wants to do through us. We'll talk more about that later on in our study of First John. So that's important. And that's what John says here. He himself gave us a promise. I heard it. And over and over again, you can go through the Gospel of John, obviously. The Gospel of John. John was right there. He heard Jesus talk about eternal life all the time throughout the Gospels. Uh, He was an eyewitness. Uh, He heard Jesus over and over again talk about this eternal life. But what John does in his letter here is he ties the experience of eternal life with fellowship with God, which is what the whole epistle or letter of 1 John is all about. He's saying to us, again, you can have a relationship with God, but that doesn't mean you're going to experience abundant life. But if you and I learn to have fellowship with God and to walk in fellowship with God, to walk in close connection with God every day, then we will experience life beyond expectation, beyond what we even anticipated, you see. Which doesn't that even tie in with the thought of Paul when he's talking to the church at Ephesus and he talks to them about about the God who should be glorified in the church. And he says the reason why our God should be glorified in the church is because this God that we serve and that we worship and that we acknowledge is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. So even he's saying there, 
our God can go beyond our expectations, all, beyond what we anticipate. But it's all tied to fellowship with God. And then we step back a little bit further, and John is telling us through this letter, well then, if, if, if I truly want to experience the highest quality of life, this abundant life that Jesus came to, to offer, and I need to stay in close connection with God, then how do I do that? And John here again tonight is going to pick up where he left off last week and going to remind us, here's how. Here's how you and I stay in close connection with God. And it all revolves around really two main themes. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. In fact, the cool thing that John is even going to say is, is the Holy Spirit even works with the Word of God to keep us in close connection with the Word of God. So it's not like either or, it's both and. That, that, that we are to immerse ourselves in the Word of God and let the Word of God grip our lives. And then we are to allow the Spirit of God to ultimately be our teacher as He teaches us the Word of God and illuminates our minds and gives us insight into the revealed Word of God. And they sort of work together and are married together in our lives as Christians to keep us in close connection with God. Which is why then John starts out this passage we're going to look at today with these words in verse 24 of chapter 2 of 1 John. As for you, which right there he's drawing a contrast between those who reject Jesus Christ. Because remember we ended last week with the fact that, that God the Father and God the Son come as a package deal. And you can't have the Father without the Son. So if you are not willing to acknowledge the Son, then you don't have the Father either. And then he says, though, as for you, what you have heard from the beginning, it must remain in you. This is the way we maintain close connection and fellowship with God, which then leads to abundant life. And notice where he's coming from here. He said, what you have heard, what you have been attentive to, what you have learned through listening, if you will. John says, that's what you need to remain in. And he, he uses the phrase from the beginning because he's saying, and he's reminding us how important that initial starting point is in our, in our Christian life, in our spiritual life. Uh, because the teaching that you and I get at the very beginning of our Christian life is foundational, should be foundational. And many times, Christians even suffer their whole Christian life trying to figure out fellowship with God and living in the Spirit because they didn't have a good, solid beginning. They, they were never discipled or mentored or in a church that taught the Word of God to the degree that, say, we do here to really get a firm grip and have a solid biblical foundation because that's what John says they need to remain in. You see. He says, what you have heard, he's talking about the teaching that they have got you know, from the very beginning. He says, this must remain. Why does he say that? Because the, the natural inclination or proclivity of human beings is we're always looking for something new. And to the Christian, that can be dangerous. In fact, that can be spiritually deadly. Because 
we as Christians have to realize that there are certain, you know, fundamentals, if you will, certain, certain basis of, of the foundations of our faith that the Bible teaches that we should never grow past or go past or whatever. They should always be the very center of our spiritual life and we should never go beyond them to something new. But like the New Testament teaches, part of the problem is, is that there's always that pull to go on to something outside what we have learned and heard from the beginning. And we'll get to that in just a moment. The word remain means to dwell, to stay, to abide, to continue to be present. In other words, he's saying the things that you were taught from the beginning that you heard, they must continue to be with you. You must carry them every day. You and I as Christians can't learn truths, say, 15, 20 years ago, and then go, oh, I learned that years ago, and set it aside. See, that, that's not then remaining with us. We've got to carry with us, if you will, throughout our Christian life, all that we are learning on an accumulative level and keep it going. And simply what that means is, I've got to keep it at the forefront of my, of my mind, I've got to allow it to have the primary influence in my life. That's what it means to remain. I can't learn something as a Christian back here and then keep it back there. It's got to continue with me, you see. And in a sense, what he's saying is, you and I have to carry this and the teachings that we've learned and the knowledge that we've gained and the insight that we've been given, we've got to carry this with us every day. It's got to remain with us, you see. Because the, the moment that it doesn't remain with us and stick with us, that's when we're vulnerable. That's when we're susceptible to the deception that he's going to talk about and address in verse 26. So then notice he goes on to say, If what you heard from the beginning remains you uh, in you, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. In other words, you'll maintain unbroken fellowship with God. Because he's not talking about a relationship here. In the context of 1 John, he's talking about fellowship. And the reason why, though, fellowship is so important is because as I maintain close connection with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, I will experience eternal life. The promise that Jesus came. I will experience abundant life. But it won't come if I don't continue to carry the things that I've heard with me every day. To show you that this is a theme that's not something that just John addresses, but it's found throughout the New Testament, we're going to be turning to a lot of scriptures tonight. I want you, first of all, to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. The book of Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to sort of get a little bit of a running start here. I'm going to start in verse 21 of Colossians chapter 1. But the verse I really want you to say underline or note in your Bible is verse 23. So notice in verse 21 of Colossians 1, Paul says, and you were at one time strangers and enemies in your minds as expressed through your evil deeds. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through death to present you holy, without blemish, and blameless before him. 
Now notice verse 23. If indeed you remain in the faith. He's not talking about the act of believing. The definite article is there. The faith. Uh, This is one of the times where the NIV translates it your faith. And I would say that's a bad translation. It is the faith. And when you see the faith 53 times in the New Testament, you'll come across the faith with a definite article. It's again not referring or referencing the act of believing, but what is believed. In other words, he's saying, what you and I believe as Christians, we need to remain in that. We can never go past the teaching of the Word of God. We've got to remain in the Word of God and in what it is, ta- and what it is teaching us and, and living by it or else we won't have fellowship with God. So it shows how important the Word of God is to our spiritual life. There's so many Christians today, we don't need, the Word of God doesn't need to be a, a central part of our life. And even sad to say, in many churches today, the Word of God is marginalized. It's pushed to the outer limits of, of, the, of the ministry of the church as if it's not a big deal. Paul is saying here, and John is saying, without the Word of God, you can't maintain fellowship with God, a close connection with God. And without a close connection with God, you'll never experience abundant life. So let's move on. If indeed you remain in the faith, notice, next words, established and firm without shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. See, even there, Paul's saying the same thing that John is saying. You gotta let the word remain in you. You, you can't, you can't move past it to some new teaching that comes down the pike. You gotta stay with what got you there, if you will. You see. Now again, this isn't the only time this is used. Please go over with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And look at verse 13. Hold to the standard of sound words that you heard from me and do so with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Hold. Remain. Retain. Don't, don't go past those sound words. Hold on to them. Keep them. Remain in them. They are vital to our spiritual life and fellowship. And then go over to Titus, one more here. Titus chapter 1, verse 9. Paul's writing to this young pastor, and even though he's giving him instruction about his own life, this obviously applies to every Christian when he tells him in in chapter 1, verse 9, that that the, the spiritual leader must hold firmly to the faithful message at as it has been taught. It means to keep a tight grip on. Now this words, or these words, hold firmly, are used in other places in the New Testament. In fact, this very word is used by Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, where he's talking about being devoted. And he uses the word devoted 
as another way to understand this concept. When he says, no man can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate it, but he needs to be, or he will be devoted to one, and then meaning not devoted to the other. And it's the same word. You, you and I can't keep a tight grip on two things at the same time, basically is why it's translated devoted when Jesus uses it. Same, same concept. And that's the same thing that John is saying in 1 John 2, 24, when he says, As for you, what you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. You and I have to hold on to the teaching of the Word of God and never let it go. In fact, carry it with us all the time and everywhere we go, even up to the very end of our lives. We can never let go of the Word of God and of the spiritual foundation, if you will, that the Word of God has given us. Then he says, back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 25, Now this is the promise that He Himself made to us eternal life. These things I have written to you about those who are trying to deceive you, lead you astray, get you off course. And again, this was the main problem with why John had to write this letter in the first place. The, this community of believers had, had become sort of upset and unsettled and shaken because they had sort of succumbed and yielded to those who were deceiving them. And, and they allowed uh, people to get them off course and lead them astray. And what John is saying is, no, no, no. Remember what we looked at a couple of weeks ago from the Gospel of Matthew? The, the, the way uh, to real life is a very narrow way, Jesus said in Matthew 7. It is very difficult, which is translated precise. It's a very precise way. It's, it's the way God says, not the way everybody else says. So what John is picturing for us here is this. When I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I begin my spiritual life, I've got this whole life ahead of me where I can begin to grow to become more like Jesus and learn what that looks like from His Word. A word of God that's going to, to really describe for me how I can experience this abundant life in my life, you see. But the problem is that the thing that you and I have to be aware of is also, at the same time, sort of simultaneously throughout our lives, we're going to have uh, forces, whether they be demonic or whether they be human or whatever, who are going to come into our lives periodically and try to get us off track, get us off that course, lead us astray from the road that God has us on, that His Word has got us on. You see, a word, as the psalmist said, your word is a light unto my feet, a lamp, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And this path is a very precise path. But the problem is, there's always those who are trying to get us to go this way or that way. And that's why John starts out this passage by saying, 
What you heard's got to remain. You've got to hold on to it. You can't let it go. You can't let go of the word and then start down this path for this thing over here. Because there's always going to be people trying to get us off course. Now to show you this, again, this concept and how important it is and why it's important then that you and I be so grounded in the word of God that when those who try to deceive us come in, that that we'll just, you know, ignore them, if you will, and keep going down the path of God's word. Turn with me, first of all, to the book of Galatians chapter one. So before I read this passage, let me just stop here and say it this way. Maybe another sort of way of looking at this. What John then is also saying to his recipients is that not only if I stay in fellowship or close connection with God, will I experience abundant life, but I will also put myself in a position as a follower of Jesus Christ where I will have the perception the discernment, the spiritual insight not to be deceived when those who come into my life try to get me off course and take me off course and lead me astray, I'll be able to recognize it, acknowledge it, go, no, 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 that's going to get me off course and stay on course and let the word of God remain. But notice how common this problem was throughout the New Testament. Paul addresses it to the Galatians in Galatians 1 beginning at verse 6. Notice what he says. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are following a different gospel. Not that there really is another gospel, but there are some who are disturbing you and wanting to distort the gospel of Christ. So Paul goes on to say, even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be condemned to hell. Don't follow it. Paul said, I can't believe how quickly you've been led astray. How quickly you in Galatia have gotten off course. And folks, these folks were discipled by the apostles, you see. And yet it shows us that unless you and I as individuals take it upon ourselves to ground ourselves in the Word of God every day, we're very susceptible to getting off course and being led astray by others. That's why you and I, as John says in verse 24 and 25, we've got to know what we believe and why we believe it. You see, and so many Christians today, they, they don't really know what they believe and why they believe it, which is why they are, you know, fodder for the deceivers who will come into their life and be able to get them off course very easily, you see. We've got to hold to those sound words that, that form our spiritual foundation. Then if you'll go with me from Galatians 1 over to, uh, let's see, let's, let's go next to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And begin there at verse 6. Notice Paul says, Therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue, in a sense, remain, abide, stay, to live your lives in Him. And then notice the next words. Rooted and built up in Him. In other words, thoroughly grounded in Him. 
Paul's picturing a solid, stable foundation that cannot be moved. Remember when he was talking to the Ephesians in chapter 4 and he said, one of the reasons why pastors need to do their job and equip the saints and grow the saints and why the saints need to be in a church that lets pastors do their job is so that we will, none of us will be children any longer, tossed back and forth with every wind of doctrine, everything that comes down the pike. Oh, okay, I'll go after that or I'll go after that. It's so easy when you and I are not thoroughly grounded in what we believe. And then he says, notice next, firm in your faith, just as you were taught. Again, he's not talking about the act of believing here. He's talking about what we believe. He says, don't let go of what you believe at any time. Carry it with you throughout your life. And then overthrowing, overflowing with thanksgiving. Look at verse 8. Be careful not to allow anyone to captivate you through an empty, deceitful philosophy that is according to human traditions and the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. If we are to be captivated, we are, should be captivated by the Word of God, not by books about the Word of God and, and philosophies and psychologies and all of that. We should be captivated by the Word of God so much that these other things aren't even attractive to us. But so often, the words that we've heard do not remain with us, and we do not carry them with us, and that's why then we are easily deceived. One other, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Notice Paul again writes, Now the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will desert the faith. They will desert the teaching of Scripture and occupy themselves instead with deceiving spirits and demonic teachings. If I'm not grounded in the right teaching, I will be susceptible and vulnerable to false teaching and misinformation. We talked about that Sunday with regard to death and dying and all of that out of 1 Thessalonians. That's what John is saying here. So notice where how he builds this. We can have eternal life. We can experience this abundant life. But in order to do it, it's not just about having a relationship with God. It's about living in close connection with God. It's about being in fellowship with God. How do I stay in fellowship with God? I let His Word remain in me every day. I let His Word grip me. I let His Word guide me. I let His Word be the primary influence in my life. I let His Word carry the most weight in my life. I, I continually consult His Word. I never take my eyes off His Word, if you will. Read Psalm 119 where David, over and over again, in, in a sense you know, describes this kind of mentality when it comes to the Word of God and living our lives in close connection with God. That's what John's saying. He's just picking up that theme that's been throughout the Word of God and he's saying, now this is how it ties into fellowship and the experience of abundant life. There will always be those. Let me go back just real quickly to verse 26. And then we'll move on to verse 27 tonight and finish up. There will always be those who are trying to deceive us. We must come to grips with that. 
There will always be those who try to lead us astray and get us off the track. And it doesn't even matter what church you go to or, or where you are in your Christian life because we've even had people who've come to the Oasis for a time who got led astray by some strange false teaching out there and went off the rails. And I just scratched my head going, wow. Even though you sat under the teaching of God's Word for a number of years... You allowed that doctrine to take you in that direction? It happens. Because again, just because we even come to a church like this where you hear the Word of God, unless each of us individually let the Word of God remain with us every day, we can hear a teacher out there or some, some teaching somewhere and it can captivate us. And, and, and if we're not if we're not used to being able to, to, in a sense, take what we're hearing and put it through the grid of Scripture and go, okay, as I compare what that person's saying over there with what the Word of God says, wait a minute, that, that doesn't line up. Unless we are, you know, able to do that and willing to do that, then we can get let off course real quickly and real easily. And that's what was the concern here of John. Because once we do that, once we go down that wrong doctrine road, once we leave the elementary teachings of the Bible and the fundamental truths of our faith, we're going to lose fellowship with God. Because we're going to then embrace something that's false. And that's why Jesus said to his followers, know the truth because only the truth can set you free. If you and I are accepting lies or embracing lies in our life or things that are false, then we're never going to experience the freedom and the life and all of that that God has for us. We've got to stay true to the doctrine of Scripture, as Paul said. Hold to those sound words. Keep a tight grip on the faithful message that you have been taught. Then verse 27, notice now how he says, oh, and here's the other cool thing. God gives us his Holy Spirit. And this anointing of the Holy Spirit, this indwelling hands-on ministry of the Holy Spirit is going to take the Word of God and, and, and what we are learning about the Word of God and really bring it to light in our lives. Notice what he says. Now, as for you, the anointing you received, and we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to take a lot of time with it. Simply, the gift of the Holy Spirit that you received from Him resides in you. By the way, the word resides is very important. It means to be a permanent resident. It means He never leaves us. He does not depart from us. Which goes along with what Jesus said. Jesus even said to His followers, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, if the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, if they are one God, if they never do anything contradictory to the other, then if Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor abandon you or forsake you, then we know the Holy Spirit's never going to leave us or forsake us either. He indwells us permanently. In fact, how Paul ties the anointing ministry of the Holy Spirit and this sort of permanent residency of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Keep your finger in 1 John. We're going to come right back there and turn to 2 Corinthians, if you will, chapter 1 for just a moment. 2 Corinthians, I told you we're going to turn to a lot of scriptures tonight. This Bible study, right? That's what we're supposed to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, look at verse 21 and 22. 
But it is God who establishes us together with you in Christ and who anointed us. And then notice in the context, the very next, who also sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a down payment. See, and that's what John's saying. You have received the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit seals us, as Paul says later on, until the day of redemption, till the day of the consummation of our salvation when we see Jesus. And so back to 1 John 2.27. Now as for you, the anointing that you receive from Him resides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. Let's, let's take this, because this is important. First of all, no need. It speaks of lacking or want or feeling deprived. One of the things that John is trying to encourage Christians with is don't ever feel like you are lacking or wanting or deprived of what you need in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. That God has given us these two things in our life so that we can can stay on the path we're supposed to stay on not be deceived by those who are trying to deceive us, and experience abundant life. What are those two things? The Word of God and the Spirit of God. And John is simply saying, you and I should never feel like I don't have what what I need to have in order to experience abundant life and and be able to, to discern false teaching and all of that. John says, no, no, you have the resources, you have the tools. You have the Word of God and you have the Spirit of God. And then he goes on to say, you have no need for anyone to teach you. He's not teaching here that there's no use for people like me. What he's saying is two things. One, ultimately, the Holy Spirit is our primary teacher. Always look at someone like Pastor Jeff as your secondary teacher. Yes, the Holy Spirit can use my teaching ministry that God has called me to, but I should never be, nor should any other human being, no matter who they are, ever be a Christian's primary teacher. Our primary teacher should be the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, when he says, no one needs to teach you, he's saying, and because the Holy Spirit permanently indwells us at all times then we don't need to be taught, we don't need to wait to be taught till we go to church on Sunday or Wednesday or we go to some Bible study or small group or whatever. The Holy Spirit is inside of each of us and He can teach us, if we'll just open up the Bible and start reading it and studying it for ourselves, we can feed ourselves and learn to feed ourselves because the Holy Spirit's there. He teaches us. In fact, Christians that just rely on other human beings to be their primary teacher and the only time that they crack the Bible, they're going to be more susceptible to deception. Because God gave us His Holy Spirit so that you and I could learn to to get stuff out of the Bible without needing anyone else to rely on them. We can rely on the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. And that's a great thing. That's That's an awesome thing, you see. And by the way, John here also then is is sort of taking a a strong poke at the false teachers. Because usually any false teacher, cult leader, called whatever you want to, 
they'll usually come along and, and one of the things that they'll try to, to sell is that you need me to be able to understand the deeper truths. And if you don't have me in your life, then you'll, you'll never find the, the real secret things and the deeper things of God. And John's saying, hogwash. We don't need anyone but God. God is perfectly capable of teaching any one of us. And you don't need to, to rely that heavily on any other human being. Because no matter who we are as teachers, and no matter how much we may try to do our very best to teach the Word of God accurately and clearly and all of that, I'm still fallible. I'm a human being. The Holy Spirit is infallible. And the Holy Spirit will never make a mistake in teaching you the Word of God. Then he goes on to say this, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, in other words, as the hands-on ministry of the Holy Spirit teaches you about all that you and I need to know. He's not saying when he says teaches you all things that somehow we become omniscient and know all things like God or that God through the Holy Spirit, we have this exhaustive knowledge of everything in the universe. That's not what he's saying here. In the context, he's saying everything you and I need to experience abundant life, everything you and I need to not let deceivers get us off track and lead us astray. Everything you and I need to stay in close fellowship with God, we've got through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We never need to feel lacking. We never need to feel deprived or wanting of anything. And then he goes on to say, and this indwelling hands-on ministry of the Holy Spirit, it is true and is not a lie. He's simply pointing out that the teacher... And the teaching of the teacher is reliable because he is the spirit of truth. That's what he's saying. You'll never have to worry about the Holy Spirit leading you off course. He is the Holy Spirit of truth. Jesus even said he will guide you into all truth. He will speak of truth because he's the spirit of truth, you see. And then finally, John ends this passage with really an important command. It is a command to remain in fellowship and close connection with God. He says, just as it has taught you, just as he had, has admonished you, really, you reside in him. Stay, abide, continue in fellowship with him. This is how you and I as Christians experience eternal, abundant life. This is how we uh, stay on course. This is how we uh, combat the, the deceivers and the false teachers and those who will come in and try to lead us astray. And how we stay on our path is when we live in close connection with God. And how do we do that? By letting the Word of God and what we've heard and what we've been taught remain with us. You see, it's sort of like this, this circular thing that complements one another. As we remain in God, the Word of God, in a sense, remains in us. When we let go of the Word of God, in a sense, then we're also distancing ourselves from fellowship with God. 
The closer we commune with His Word, the closer we commune with God. Because again, the beautiful picture here that John is portraying for us is the Holy Spirit who lives within us, He's going to teach us. And so as we get into the Word of God, it's drawing us closer to God automatically because we're having to rely on the Holy Spirit of God to be our teacher. And the more we then draw into the Holy Spirit, the more He reveals and illuminates uh, and enlightens us about what the Word of God is sharing. Gee, I actually quit right at 8 o'clock tonight. Hey folks, real quick, before I pray and close tonight, uh, again, Sunday's message, the rapture, be in prayer about that message. Uh, I'm excited to share it. Uh, if, if you think of some people that you even want to, you know, think would benefit from that, you'd like to invite them to be here on Sunday. It's our sixth anniversary. Don't forget the following Sunday, April the 10th, is our potluck. Uh, and then uh, we've got other great things coming up as well. Uh, don't forget about uh, the uh, park ministry and the needs that they have that we'll be uh, letting you know about again on Sunday. And then also the needs of, of the church and the folks down there in Mexicali. As we go down in a couple of weeks, we'd like to take some stuff to bless them as well. And so those lists are out there in the lobby on Sunday as well. Guys, thank you again for your faithfulness in the middle of the week. Uh, I know it, it takes extra effort for you, especially to get here on Wednesday night in the middle of the week. But thank you. I just pray that, that you making that effort that it's worth it in your mind and that you are blessed and, and, and are, it's profitable to you and it's beneficial to you to make that extra effort to be here on Wednesday night. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for giving us your word. Lord, we just pray that, that we would never let go of your word. That, Lord, it would remain with us. That the things we learn, the things that, that we have insight into, God, that we would carry those with us every day of our life, that, that, that it would remain, that it would grip our hearts and grip our minds, that it would be at the forefront of our thinking at all times and really direct our thoughts, God. Because, Lord, we, we have also been reminded tonight that there will always be those who seek to deceive us, to get us off course, to lead us astray. So, God, we need a good understanding and comprehension of your word. And yet, God, again, you don't leave us alone with that. You have given us the Holy Spirit of God to come into our lives and to teach us and to illuminate us and enlighten us with your word so that we might always have a very capable and reliable teacher. Yes, Lord, you use human teachers in our lives. And even the Holy Spirit does as well. But God, may we never rely ultimately on another human being to be our teacher of the word of God. May we ultimately rely on your spirit to be our ultimate teacher. God, we thank you for the resources you've given us. Help us never, God, to feel lacking or in need or deprived of any spiritual resource. Because, God, we are complete in your Son, Jesus Christ. Go with us this day, God. Help us to stay in that close connection with you so that we can truly experience abundant life that you've come to give to us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God's God bless you. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.